Aren't you thankful and grateful for the provision of our Lord? That in every situation, any position we find ourselves in, He is our need and our resource. If you have your Bibles, won't you go ahead and grab those? We're going to be in 2 Timothy today. I know uh, some of you may be looking at me and you're wondering why I'm wearing glasses. It's not to look more intellectual. It's because when I try to put my contacts in today, they said, no, thank you. So that's why I've got them in today. Um, seniors, I want you to know I am praying for you that you encounter this world knowing who you are in Jesus. Uh, today, in preparation for this message, I had you in mind, but the truth is this, the, the truths of Scripture are applicable to every age group. And so today, as you listen to this, I want you to think about who I am in Christ, and then we as a church, who we are called to be as the people of God. You think about Paul. Paul is writing this, 2 Timothy, in a prison, awaiting his execution. If I were Paul, mine would be very short. It would be, Garrett, to Timothy, please come and rescue me. <laughs> Bring a hacksaw. You know, but Paul is communicating this, that he is investing and reminding Timothy who he is in the person of Christ. And that's what we need today. So let's pray. Father, today I pray that as you speak, as your word is spoken, that Lord, wherever you find the person sitting in their seat, that you would meet them according to their need. Father, I pray that there would be no rejection of truth today. Now, Father, every person walks out of this room knowing where they stand with you. God, if there's any person here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would press in on them. Father, that they would find you to be a good God, that you would rescue their soul. For us as believers, I pray that we would not go to this world for things that are only found in you. And Father, I pray that as the word that Paul is delivering to Timothy would speak to our hearts as well, that we're reminded of who we are in you. And the precious gift to be known as your child. We love you, God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have pen and paper or you're writing on tablet, I have seven points out of this first chapter today, and we'll look at the, the second chapter tonight. Um, but again, I want you to look at it and, and read it and receive these as what God is saying to you, but then also the charge for us as the church. Because God not only gives to us, but he wants us to be a channel of his Holy Spirit in the lives of other people. And so the first thing I want you to know is this. Look what he says here in verse 2. It says, to Timothy, my beloved child. and the Greek, that would be read as my child loved by God. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and uh, Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we see here is this. The very first point is this. You are loved by God. That we, we as believers, we are loved. Not only is Paul communicating to Timothy, I'm in prison, you are there. And the thing is about Timothy, one of the, the aspects of Timothy and Paul's instruction to Timothy is this. Timothy was kind of passive. He was, he was uh, not bold in the faith. And so everything that Paul is going to speak to him through this book is to, to stir up within him the passion of the Lord and the boldness of Christ. So the first thing is this, that you are loved. You know, all of us in this room, some of you have uh, heard this song, Johnny Lee, I thought about it, looking for love and where? 
all the wrong places. Everybody in this room, at some point, you have tried to do this. I, I want you to write down this, uh, this thought. Don't chase after counterfeit affections. Yesterday, I was, I was on a plane, and I was flying back to Albany, and I was thinking about this point that we as believers, not only do we need to understand that we have people that love us, primary, we need to understand this. God loves us. And out of that identity flows all of the things that he just talked about, his grace, his mercy, and his peace. When we walk away from that identity as believers in Christ, we lose those things. We lose sight of God's grace for us. We lose sight of his mercy for us, and we lose the peace of God. And so today, are you and am I living in the reality that God loves us, that God's affection is on us? Or are you currently right now doing as Johnny Lee Song said, you're looking for love in all the wrong places? This is why it's important is God's love is unconditional. It's unmerited. Everyone in this room, hopefully you understand that, that there's nothing in your life that will um, get you credit to, to receive God's love, that God loves you at the very state that you are currently in. On the way back to Albany, I was riding next to a gentleman, and he said this to me. He said, I wish I were a better Christian. I wish I were a better person. And my words to him last night was this, God meets you at the very point that you're in today. And so for you today in your seat, know this, that there is nothing in your life that could ever earn or deserve God's love for you. That God loves you. He doesn't want us to stay in the condition, and that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit, and that's why he sanctifies us, and he has given us his word. But God loves you. It's unmerited. It is priceless, but given freely, and it's lasting and satisfying. The worldly love is this. It is conditional. Everyone in this room has probably felt that before, to where someone had a conditional love for you. As long as you were meeting their needs and acting according to their will, they showed affection for you. But as soon as you walked away from that, they severed that relationship and that flow of affection. God is not that way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love is a natural flow to us. And worldly love is this. It is counterfeit but costly. How many of you have ever given your, your affection, your time, your money, your attention to something, and it brought back nothing but heartache and brokenness into your life? Students in here, man, don't go into this next phase chasing after some counterfeit affection that this world is saying, this is how you are satisfied and this is how you're pleased. But every adult in here as well, let us model well what they should actually be chasing after, that God is opening up his arms saying my love flows from my heart freely to you come and receive from me but a lot of times we model for the future or next generation what we do not want them to practice and so make sure there is faithfulness and stewardship and example flowing from that and then also worldly love is this it is temporary and it's unfulfilling it's kind of like that cotton candy that you put in your mouth you think man it smells so good and then as soon as you pop it in, it's dissolved and it's gone. Well, that's the same way that this world, it is offering us fool's gold. Look what he continues to say here. Actually, it's in 1 John and uh, in verse 4, 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. 
If you, if you write and underline your Bible, if you turn there, I want you to underline that. And we rely on the love that God has for us. For God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him. The question is this, are you relying on God's love today? Like in your life, you think, all of you, you dressed up, you showed up to church today, thank you for being here. But are you relying and living and existing and dwelling in the love of God? Because when we are doing that, it is on our countenance, it is reflected through our worship, and it is a natural flow of love to our brothers and sisters in Christ and compassion for the lost. Look what he continues to say in 2 Timothy. I'm sorry I did Bible drill there for you, but 2 Timothy 1, 3, he continues, he says, I thank God whom I served, as did my ancestors. We'll come back there. He says, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. What was Paul communicating there to Timothy? He was saying, I am serving God as my ancestors did. And he's saying, I'm praying for you continually night and day. What he's doing is this, point number two, you are prayed for, but he is emphasizing, he is praying for faithfulness. One of the greatest things that we can pray for each other is faithfulness to our Lord, faithfulness to his task, faithfulness and devotion to his will in our life. Are you praying for people, church body? You know, all of us in this room, when we understand and we come alongside of someone today and we say, hey, I pray for you, what we are communicating is you are not alone. You think about what Timothy was feeling. Paul's in prison. Um, he had been abandoned by many of his friends. He was awaiting execution. He is communicating to Timothy, a person that is more passive, not as bold. And what Paul is saying is, Timothy, I am praying for you. As I have served the Lord, as our ancestors have served the Lord, I am praying for you. Be faithful. So church body in this room, what we are called to do in those two that we've already covered is communicate to this world, communicate to Albany, Georgia and Southwest Georgia that you are loved by God, but then also you are prayed for. I do want you to turn here, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight is just an unbelievable verse of not only is Paul communicating that he is praying for us, but we have in God's word that God himself has provided a intercessor for us in the person of Jesus Christ. In Romans 8, 33, look what he says. Who shall bring charges against God's elect? If you write and underline, you just write there, God has authority. He is the authority. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. And then you can write by that, God has the power. Who is that at the right hand of God indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? God is faithful. In this passage, he communicates those three things that we have this intercessor in the person of Christ. So when we are communicating to people, and as God is speaking to you today, you are loved, you are prayed for. We have many people in this room that pray for us, but the greatest prayer intercessor that we have is 
the person of Jesus Christ. That he is at the right hand of God, knowing our future, knowing our past, and knowing our present. And he has all power, he has all authority, and he is faithful today. And what he is communicating over and over and over and over again is this. You are not alone. You're not alone in your situations and your circumstances. Many people walk into the house of God, this room, and sing worship songs, but a lot of times we lose sight of those first two points, that God loves us unconditionally and is available to us, and that God himself knows where we're at and he is present at our need, and he is interceding for our behalf. Look what he continues to say here in, going back, sorry, Bible drill again, uh, going back to 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. He says, I remind you of my sincere faith. Or sorry, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and to your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you. Point number three is this. You are affirmed. You are affirmed. Here Paul, when, when he is communicating this to Timothy, he's saying to him, you have the faith that has been given to you, that you have this precious gift, this stewardship of faith. It dwelt in your grandmother, we saw it, we dwelt in your mom, we saw it, and now we have seen it in you. I have two kids, and any of you parents in here, you've been there before, where they are doing some special task, something, and what they want to know is this, did you see that? Did you see that? I was away last, uh, yesterday, and they were both playing soccer. And so I told Tracy, make sure you get some video clips because if, if they do something awesome or what they deem to be awesome, they want you to know that, that, that you saw it and they want to tell you all about it. Now, it's similar to my fish stories. It might have been this, but then it turns out to be this. <laughs> what happens when we affirm people? First is this. We speak encouragement in their life. Every person in this room enjoys encouragement. Everybody in this room, but also we give God praise. What Paul is communicating to Timothy is this, I affirm what I see in you. I, I see God's spirit actively involved in your life, but then also he is giving and casting praise to God because where did that faith come from? It came from God. He saw in the presence of his grandma and his mother, and now it dwells in him. In Philippians 1, 6, it says this. Paul, again, is just the, the affirmer of the brothers here in Philippi. He says, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus. Here's the thing. Many of us, when, when you think about people encouraging you, you, you might see it in someone else's life, but maybe you neglect to see the faith that is in you. You need to understand this. God is the one that develops works and makes that thing visible through your life. All you're responsible for is saying yes to his spirit. Yes, God, I will do this. Yes, God, I will follow your, uh, your will in this situation. And as you do that, God is the one that's maturing that. Look what he continues to say here in verse 6. It says, For this reason I remind you to fan to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Now, uh, the point is this, you are encouraged. God not only um, is communicating that we are prayed for, we are, we are loved, we are affirmed, but also he encourages us that we have been given this gift. 
I have a story for you. You think about many of you have a fireplace. Some of you, it is a gas log fire, but some of you remember the old day, the, the stirring up of the flame or fanning of the flame would be um, the person going over and stoking the fire. Well, the first time I went on a camping, camping trip, many of you have heard my stories of my three older brothers. Um, I was the youngest, and so I was three years younger than a portion of my brothers and six years younger than my oldest one. And they invited me to go on this camping trip that was with the next door neighbors. And you, many of you that are young siblings here, you, you know the invitation to go hang out with the older ones, the joy that just kind of wells up in your heart. And so I gathered up all my supplies. I went over to my neighbor's house and they had some property and we, we camped out. We did s'mores and all the crazy stuff. Well, I woke up the next morning and I was in the tent all by myself. Now, there's one thing that, that should have immediately jumped out of my mind. Why am I here all by myself? <laughs> the next thing I know, I open up the tent, and I look out, and there, the campfire that we had, that was just like, you know, huge bonfire. You know how kids are, like, throw another log on the fire, and it's a huge forest fire. But <laughs> at the end of the night, it had died down, and so they were all standing around this campfire that had the smoldering wood and just a little bit of embers down at the bottom and they looked at me, and again, I was probably five, six, no, six, seven years old. My mom would not have mistreated me that way. But they said, Garrett, we want you to start the fire up. Now, again, that should have been red flag number two, that they were asking me, the youngest, to start the fire. But I'd seen it done, so I thought, man, they entrusted me with this awesome task. So I ran and gathered up some supplies, and I put it around those red embers, and I got down on all four right there by the fire, and I begin to blow on it. You know, here's the thing that you need to understand. Be careful what flames you, f you fan. Be careful what flames you fan. All four, all right there by the fire. All of a sudden, what I did not know, behind the tent, there was a red can. They had put gasoline on the logs. That's why all six or eight of them were standing around saying, who's going to do it? <laughs> all I hear is Garrett. All of a sudden, I blew on it. Flames shot over my head. Woof! I was rolling around on the ground, rubbing my face, my head. And for the first time, like I, I pulled my hands back because I thought my head was going. All right. I pulled my hands back and they were just covered in soot. And I looked up at one of my brothers, Austin, and I said, I said, Austin. He said, Garrett, your hair, it's singed off. Your eyebrows are singed. And I said this, I said, what singed? <laughs> eyebrows gone, eyelashes look like this right here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Running back to the house. Here's the thing. Are you fanning the right flames in your life? In your life, are you fanning the, the flame, the gift of God in your life? And are you fanning some, again, counterfeit affection that you're, you're thinking or this world's communicated? This is how you're satisfied. This is what should define you. This is what brings pleasure and happiness in life. Understand this, not only has God given you the gift of faith, but he also has given you spiritual gifts. Yes. You can turn there if you'd like, but 
looking at Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is speaking into this. And in this it says in verse 11, He has given some as apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And he gives this descriptive of why he has done this. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to build up the body of Christ, to unity, to attain the unity of faith, that the faithful or the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature man, to the measure and statute which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he's given these spiritual gifts for these four reasons, for the equipping of the saints, for the building up of the body of Christ, for unity in the faith, and for maturity. So what that's communicating is this, every believer in this room has been gifted spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body. And when we sit on those areas of giftedness, we are a hindrance not only for the gift of God flowing through your life and living a life of faithfulness, but also you, I, we hinder the body as well. And so for you today, what Paul is saying to Timothy is fan that flame Continue to grow in that. Understand that that is a precious gift that has been entrusted to you. Make sure you are stewarding that thing faithfully. What I would say for the rest of us in this room, be careful what, what flames you actually fan into a fire. Because for some of us, they are moments away from blowing up in our face. Look what he continues to say here in verse 7. It says, for God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. God has given us not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. I want you to write this down. God's spirit in us makes fearless men and women. God's spirit manifested through our life is displayed through fearlessness. Because we understand that our power, our sufficiency, and grace is all flowing from him. The question is this, are you walking in the spirit today? When we walk in spirit, in spirit, we understand that we are empowered. We understand that we're empowered by God. We, we walk with confidence as well because we know that we're loved by God and we also walk in self-control. I, I, I ask all of you, do you and would you define your life in that capacity? That you're walking empowered by God, that you know that today that you exist by the power of God for the work of God. Do you understand that you walk in confidence that you are loved by God, that he is the one that is defining you and he has provided for you and are you walking in self-control? When we walk in the flesh, we walk defeated, insecure, and in bondage. Most of us in this room could, could identify people in our lives that would say and communicate that they are believers in Christ, but they're walking in defeat. They also feel insecure because they've lost sight of the unconditional love of God in them and for them, and they're walking in bondage. I want you to write this down. When we lose sight of who we are in Christ, we lose sight of what is really important. When we lose sight of who we are in Christ, we lose sight of what is really important. 
Look what he says in verse 8. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me, his prisoners, but we share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began. So point number six is this, or five was that we are challenged. Point number six is this, we are confronted. Students in here, some of the greatest things that we can do for our brothers and sisters in Christ is encourage them, but then also confront them when they are walking in disobedience to Christ. To, to come alongside of someone and tell them that um, you are pursuing the wrong thing right now. You are fanning in the flames the wrong thing right now, and you confront them. You know, what Paul was just saying to Timothy is this, it looks bleak right now, but stay faithful. Right now, I'm in prison awaiting execution. A lot of people are falling away from the faith, but stay faithful to the Lord. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. Don't be ashamed of me, but join in the suffering. Because we understand this, our reward is not found in this world. Many of you have, have had this before. I walk into my son and daughter's room and they have all of these reward, these awards of soccer or baseball or football, um, of all of these special tasks. And these are the things that we put up on our shelves. But what's going to happen to those awards? It's going to rust. They're going to perish. They're going to mean absolutely nothing for eternity. How many of us are working to establish a wall when God is saying, lay up treasures in heaven. Amen. And that is exactly what Paul is communicating to Timothy. Who you are is not defined by this world. Who you are is defined by God, and what you should be doing in this world is investing in eternity. Because that's what's been implanted in you. Last point is this, look what he says. Verse 13. He says, follow the patterns of sound words that you have heard from me and faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Point number seven is this. You are reminded. Paul is reminding Timothy that make sure you practice wisdom in what you actually follow in life. Um, students in here, again, you, you are about to launch out into this world, and what um, Tim, or Dalton communicated to you is exactly right. When you leave out of here, everything this world is going to say and try to define your mission, your goal, what you should actually run after. Um, Paul understood that when his voice is eliminated in, in Timothy's life, the thing that he wanted Timothy to understand is God's word continues and his word is faithfulness, and the path that he has laid out for him is actually for good. Not necessarily is the easiest path, and actually it won't be, but it's going to be the one that ends in the reward that you actually desire. And so in your life right now, the question is this, believer in this room, adult in this room, parent in this room, student in this room, what are you actually following right now? Whose wisdom are you actually following right now? What instruction are you actually receiving right now? 
And is it the word of God, the faithful word of God that will last for eternity? That points you in the right direction, that wants to steward your life in a way that brings honor to God, but also for your good. Because everything else that we give our attention to, every wisdom that we um, subject our life to, will lead us in the wrong direction apart from that. So today, I just want to remind you again, you are loved by God and church family. We are called to communicate to this world, they are loved by God. You are prayed for, church family. We are to pray for one another, but also understand that God is actively praying for us and has provided Jesus for that purpose. He has given us everything. He has given us faith, a spiritual gift, his Holy Spirit, a holy calling, and his word. The question is this, are you stewarding well the good deposit provided for you? Are you stewarding that thing well? How precious is it that you've been entrusted and I've been entrusted with faith? God has given us all of these things, and the question is this, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with your life? How are you going to live your life in a way that brings honor to God, that lives differently when people look at you, they see a distinction about you? And the recognition is not you, but it's the Holy Spirit in you, and you have the opportunity to point them to the Son of God that wants to rescue their soul, to redefine their life and their mission. Why would we live any other version of Christianity out for ourselves and for the reflection of the people around us? Are you faithful? Are you trusting in his love and his provision for you? Here today, I want to give an invitation. And guys, here's a lot lot of times when people get to this point, they kind of cut the tape and just check out question is this do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior as one and do you show up here but the truth is this that you've never truly given your heart and life to the person of Jesus Christ and that could be the first time person showing up here today or it could be the person that has been here for many years through my years of ministry I've seen both of those things take place you've heard over and over again that um, even Billy Graham would say that the majority of the people that occupy the church are not believers. The way that's evident is by the practice of faith that they actually put into application. Salvation is not just a confession that we make, it is the transformation that takes place by the power of God in our lives. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Then also is this, Everything I communicated today is what we as a church should do, but then also what the church provides. And maybe you're here today and you have come to church regularly, but you have never joined, joined a church, a body. And what you need to do today is join this body. You need to say, God, you know what? I don't want to be an outsider looking in anymore. I want to be an active participant of what you are doing here at Sherwood Baptist Church And I want to be called and a part of a body. And then the third is this. Understanding that believer in this room, you have been given faith and you have been given spiritual gifts. But maybe today the Lord just brought to light the fact that you have been fanning every other flame, but you are not actively fanning the flame of the gift of God in you. 
and you want to know what that gift is, or many of you know what it is, you're saying, God, I want the body to be strengthened. I want the mission to be advanced. And I want your Holy Spirit to work through me to strengthen the body for the maturity of the saints. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your head. And I just want to walk through this time of invitation with us. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, just sensitive to the Lord. Church, if we only showed up to this place to listen but not to obey, why did we come? If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the greatest gift that any of us have ever received for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's gracious gift of salvation is extended to you today. Will you receive it? If you're here today and you realize, man, I'm not a believer. Today I want to surrender my life. I want to look like that young man walking through the baptism waters to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. We would say, buried in Christ in baptism, the old way is dead and gone, buried through the sufficiency of Christ, raised to walk a new way of life. That's you tonight or today, and you say, man, I need to trust Christ as my Savior. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to raise your hands. Say, that's me. Anybody here today say, man, that's, that's me. I need to trust Christ as my Savior. here today and you say, you know what, mine is, I need to join the church. Tired of playing games, tired of sitting on the fringes. It's time for me as an individual or a family to get plugged into the body. Tonight is a membership class, but today I'm just asking you respond so that we can talk to you. Maybe you're here today and you're a member you have not employed the gift of God in your life and you want to say, God, I give you everything. I'm tired of living for the trophies on the wall, the diplomas on the wall. It is time for me to live for you, to be a part of your mission and your advancement and your glory and your fame. Lay up treasures not on this earth where rust and moss will destroy, but lay up treasures in heaven. This is what I'm asking you to do, saints. As we begin to sing this song in just a moment, respond to the Lord. Don't let fear, selfishness stand in the way of you doing what God has called you to do. Believer in this room, respond. Lost person in this room, the easiest thing to do because God has done everything is for you to step out of your seat walk down front say I want new life Father in this room I pray that you would give freedom God you have 
given us that freedom. You have given us victory. I pray that what you would find in this room is obedience to you. Thank you, God, for your gracious faithfulness. Thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, I pray that the people that need to respond today, that, Lord, they would do so. Father, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.